Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. Hey, hip-hop just turned 50 and I'm pop-locking in the studio. Mark Grody just left. What a guy. Spends all day, you know, looking at Bears camp and then comes on and gets gives us the goods, man. Tells us what exactly what he's seeing so we can then keep an eye out for it as well. Uh, but we're going to continue to take your phone calls about these very Chicago Bears. I want to hear what you guys have to say. 312-644-6767. Um, going to be hanging out with you guys till 9 o'clock. Got... Three more guests for you guys. That's going to be awesome. Got Keith Law coming up at 720, talking about some baseball, what the Cubbies look like there. We got Andrew Brandt to talk a little football at the top of the eight. And then Lawrence Holmes and I, yes, the Lawrence Holmes, is going to be chatting about Latinidad, talking about the Latino diaspora and how it affects baseball and just – American culture, right? Me being second gen um, Latino and then, you know, talking about how sometimes it can be difficult to connect with first gen Latinos, right? It's just viewed differently. And so Lawrence had some interesting questions. So we're going to tackle that uh, after eight o'clock. But let's go to the phone lines. Again, talking Bears right now. Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score. Let's go out to John in Michigan. John, when you watch this game on Saturday, you know, small sample sizes for everyone to go around, but you, you still took away some positives. What were those for you, John? Uh, hello. Thanks for taking the call. No problem, John. Um, so, first of all. Do me a favor, John, before we continue. Yep. Lower your radio a little bit. I know you want to hear yourself. But can you turn my radio off? Yeah, because you'll be on the podcast. On. You can look back, listen back to it on the Odyssey app. My, my friend's turning it off. He's all right, cool. No problem. So what, the green button, John. So what positives did you it's have? The green button. <laughs> oh, there we go. What po- is that better? Uh, much better, John. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, I, I had huge positives. First of all, um, the first touchdown, Cleo taking it to the house. So it, it, it was Fields getting into the playmaker's hands and letting them make plays. It didn't matter was it was a two-yard pass or behind-the-yard pass. He put the ball in their hands, and the playmakers made plays. If you know, I mean, if you got to be, if you're a Bears fan, you got to admire a six-yard touchdown. <laughs> However, it happens. And the other thing is, last year, people ripped Justin Fields for not being able to 
you know, throw the short pass and be accurate. He, that's all he did. He threw three short passes to see as accurate, and he scored two touchdowns. The stat line is incredible. If you look at that, you know, three passes, 129 yards, two touchdowns, you'd have to go back almost to, you know, the 85 Bears. Because when, um, oh, my gosh, McMahon came in in the second half of the um, – You're going deep, John. You're going, John, John, you're going deep right here. I'm, go, I'm, go, you're going, I'm deep. going very deep. All right, right, right. But I, but I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Let's stick with the game on Saturday, though, because I hear what you're saying. There are positives to take away. He did, he did put the ball in the hands of playmakers. And, you know, I think the one you really can point to, the DJ Moore one, I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to have complaints, and he did take it to the house. But I thought the Khalil Herbert touchdown was more impressive because probably 80% of the time last year he would have taken off and ran. And he understood in that moment, hey, man, you know what? There's a running back, an actual guy who is getting paid to run the ball well right in front of me. Let me give him the ball and allow him to make the plays. And he did just that, and that was, that was really exciting to see. So to your point, John, yeah, we hadn't seen that. We'd seen, we've seen failed wide receiver screen after failed wide receiver screen for one reason or another, whether the ball couldn't be caught, that the ball was poorly thrown after the catch, the wide receiver that's supposed to be blocking on the outside didn't, or the wide receiver caught the ball, the other wide receiver blocked, and he couldn't make a good juke. Like, whatever the case might have been, we as Bears fans have seen every iteration of that. The one we've been missing is the one that gets taken to the house. So it's great to see that especially the Khalil Herbert one. To me, that was, and people would say, oh, you know, legal man downfield, whatever, dude. It's preseason. Get the plays in. Feel it. Sometimes as a basketball player, you just need to see the ball go through the net. Same thing applies for an offense. Sometimes there needs to be some believability there. And that, to me, was the one of the biggest takeaways from the game was not, that Justin Fields is, you know, no, it's that, hey, Justin, there's positive reinforcement here. When you get rid of the ball properly, good things can happen. And last year, he probably felt, if I got rid of the ball, it's better for me to take it by myself than it is to try to throw it to Dante Pettis or Valus Jones Jr. Well, this year, now he's throwing it to DJ Moore and a dangerous Khalil Herbert out of the backfield. And that's where we find ourselves. And it's great to watch. It was great to watch. 312-644-6767. Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score. Let's go to Chris out on the west side. So, Chris, when you say Bears got to prepare for the worst-case scenario, what does that look like for you? That's having a capable backup. Whether it be a Purdy or, or someone of that nature, you know, you get to rely on your scouting department to constantly get you guys to upgrade from what you had last year. And what you what the Bears had last year as a backup quarterback was a train wreck. And it looks like that's the same thing we have in PJ Walker. That's all. I hear you. Do you think do you think PJ Walker is capable though or do you think he's just like an actual emergency quarterback for you? He reminds me of uh, Cordell Stewart when the Bears got him. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm sure Cordell would probably take offense to that, but I but I hear what you're saying. Thanks for the call, Chris. I appreciate you. I mean, yeah, it would be good to have a a a, a good backup, but I think 
but didn't PJ Walker, Tyler, didn't PJ Walker come from like the XFL or something like that? Like yeah, he, he had an uh, XFL background, and then I think Carolina really liked him, yeah. and then they signed him. And then it, the whole Matt Rule connection too, because he yeah. played for Matt Rule at, at Temple. Okay, that's that's the big connection there. But I know when he stands up next to Justin Fields, Justin Fields looks like a, a the Rock. You know what I'm saying? Compared to like a, a teenager, it's a, it's a huge difference. But I mean, again, I think the important part for the Bears in their mind by getting a backup quarterback that was like P.J. Walker was there was too much of a deviation last year when Justin Fields went out and Trevor Simeon came in and you had to change the entire game plan. And I'm sure that's difficult because it's a, it's, it's a tough ask for not only the quarterback that's coming in, but also for the offensive players to have to have a different one as well. Yeah, going off of that, Gabe, we actually had a caller come on. Uh, Tom from St. Charles wanted to ask you. So, obviously, last year he said Fields ran for 1,100 yards kind of because he had to because yeah. the line was really bad. With them making some sort of changes, how many do you think is going to be like an estimate of what he'll, he'll run this year with the minor upgrades on the line and also yeah. the more weapons around him? Yeah, I think I think it's a that's a double-edged sword, right? Because you can run fewer times but still get to the same production level. And if you want to envision that and what that looks like, first and 10 from your own 20, and, you know, he's been dinking and dunking and eating you up with DJ Moores and, and, and Darnell Mooney outs. And then, like, a play breaks down on the outside and Justin Fields just cuts up the middle and hits an ADR run because you have to pay closer attention to DJ Moore and Kokomet. So you might have... Let's say more ADR runs. Maybe there's five of them, right? Five ADR runs throughout the season. Now you're at 400. You're you're halfway there to what some would consider his 800-yard output, which is where they want him to be at. And that's only on five runs. So I think it's different. You know what I mean? When you're looking at his productivity level, what it can look like, I think it's going to be very similar, but the, 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 the runs are going to be different going to be a, a, a play breakdown that he goes all the way as opposed to a series of 20 30 yard runs that i don't think he's going to be a ton of i think it's going to be going to be bigger plays but uh we'll, we'll see what that looks like let's go out to rich i know rich has been a hoe for a minute rich what's going on man good to talk to you again uh what do you think are some roster moves the bears should be making oh i think there's tons now hold on rich uh, i'm gonna tell you right now don't go into don't go into a minute long spiel about vader's jones how you saw him in tennessee because you're an SEC guy. I know this. But tell me about that. some other roster moves, though. All right. Well, look, the only Vanus Jones reference I'll give you, I'm a Tyler Scott wasn't the best receiver in Cincinnati. His teammate got drafted ahead of him by the Raiders. So I'm nervous about Tyler Scott being another Vanus Jones. That's a bit of a deal. The, the only thing that I like Justin Fields, and I saw him in Georgia before he transferred. And they were running him in Georgia, and that's why he was ineffective. That's why he transferred. I mean, the guy is run first, throw second, and he's kind of changed. I'm a big Justin Fields fan, which may surprise you. I think he's got, this guy's going to be fun. But here's the problem. You got nobody. They didn't draft anybody. Everybody in the NFC North, and I've pointed this out several times, <clears throat> have drafted a quarterback in this last year's draft. Everybody but the Bears. If Justin goes down, I mean, the season's over. I mean, do you really think that P.J. Walker is is, is, a, is a suitable substitute? I don't. And you got some big problems. Now, 
keeping him upright and keeping him healthy. Hopefully they don't have these run design plays as much as they did last year because he didn't have the weapons. He's got the weapons. But I'm I'm concerned about a legitimate backup, and I'm not real sold on Tyler Scott. And uh, let me throw this in. If you really want – and I'm going to do this quick. Valus Jones and Claypool should be packaged and run them both out. Claypool is, is, is not the answer. And, and, and you can do better when you consider that Pickens, Pickens, who they got, who is outstanding, the Georgia receiver, was basically the trade-off who was killing it at Pittsburgh, and we got Claypool. So, I mean, do you really want to stick with him? And I'll leave it at that. I won't – look, I, I'm optimistic about the Bears, so I'm not trying to demean them. I just think there's, there's some roster holes you're going to go fill. Yep. I hear you, man. Thanks for the call, Rich. As always, appreciate uh, when you chime in. I mean, listen, the Bears aren't a – like, they're not the final product. And I think that's okay. I think a lot of times, you know, we you know, we think it's Madden, the video game, and this is our team. We're going to go try to win the Super Bowl with this squad. We can if we were playing a video game, but it's not. It's real life. And, you know, what you simulate in a day actually takes a year. And you have to wait to go get these pieces. But – I think the evaluation process is constant. I think I, I why do I hesitate so much to speak positively about the Bears? Like I want to so bad. And everybody else has been. And I've been fighting the urge. Everyone's like, Bears, 10 wins. Offense looks great. You know, the first play is DJ Moore Tutty. And I'm and I'm sitting here and I've been the and I'm just like. Why can't it just roll off the tongue as easily as everyone else? Because you don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get hurt again. It's actually what it is. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look stupid believing, like seeing what my eyes see and telling you guys what I see, but then wanting to skew reality with my heart. (laughs) That's what I really want to do. I want to say, like, this defense is incredible. That's what I want to say. This defense is going to create turnovers. Zach Pickens is about to be about to be out here. Ten sacks. It's going to be crazy. Like this defense is going is so improved. It's going to be nuts. And then like Justin Fields again. This I think this team is so. Here's my inner thoughts, but I'm saying them loudly. I think this team can be so good that Justin Fields. Even if he's not good, they're still going to be good. Like, I think your running back situation is good. Your wide receiver situation is good. Your offensive line looks healthy. Your tight ends looks great. Your defense looks good. And so all those things are working. So just, all right. Stuff that I didn't want to say out loud, but I did talk. That's how I'm going to end that Bears break right there. Would love to hear all your thoughts, too, if you want to try to convince me to Embrace my inner fan and let him come out and yell. 312-644-6767. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. We're going to switch gears a little bit, talk some baseball with Keith Law from The Athletic. I am genuinely curious how he sees this playoffs panning out. Will the Cubs make it in as either a wild card or a division winner? That's what I'm going to ask Keith Law 
on the other side. We'll do that next. It's Gabe Ramirez. Right here, live and local on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Left-handed batter against the right-hander, Burrios. The pitch. Drilled. Deep right field. Going back, Springer. At the track, near the wall. Backing up. Does he have a play? No! It's gone! Cody Bellinger with a two-run home run. Cubs up three to nothing. As they're playing long ball here in the first. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Arguably the most popular athlete in Chicago right now, Cody Bellinger. Arguably. I know based I know I know the Bears just had a game, but Cody Bellinger is having himself a season, and people are paying attention to it not only here in Chicago, but across the country. And we get a chance to talk a little bit about Cody Bellinger, about what's going on in Chicago, and then uh, take a couple couple steps back and, and look at the baseball landscape on a macro level with our next guest joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is the senior baseball writer for The Athletic and a great follow, by the way, on Twitter. Uh, it is none other than Keith Law. Keith, thanks for hanging out again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, let's talk about the Cubs first and, and Cody Bellinger. Were, what were your thoughts on Cody going into the season? I mean, obviously the, the, the Cubs felt strongly and thought, you know, he could have a, a renaissance or some resurgence here on the north side. Um, but, but a lot of people didn't necessarily feel that way. What was your take on Cody going into the season? Well, I, I always go back to the our, our sort of old God, when I worked for the Blue Jays 20 years ago. We always kind of argued there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. You want to take a chance on a guy like Cody Bellinger, who was an MVP and looked like he'd be a superstar for a really long time, but got hurt and I think kind of lost his swing uh, mechanically. And I mean, I guess a little bit in terms of his, his approach, his pitch selection too, but he's so young and uh, seem to still have the athleticism, still have the bat speed, and still have the raw power. You want to take a shot on one year for that guy? Sure. When I heard the dollar amount, okay, I thought that was kind of high, <laughs> given how bad he'd been the last couple of years. Right. But you know what? It ain't my money. And I'd much rather the Ricketts spend it on players than spending it on propping up some Trumpy <laughs> candidates. So right, right, I am right. completely fine with them giving Cody Bellinger more money than I thought maybe he was worth. But of course, now it's turned out to be a bargain, and it's yeah, I think that of all the moves they've made in the last year and a half, and, and they've made some pretty good moves, that's the one that really stands out to me is 
you know, maybe changing the trajectory of the franchise because now they are a playoff contender this year. Whether they make the playoffs or not, this is a very different season, I think, than Cubs fans were expecting and really points towards a return to contention going forward. Keith, I agree. Best move that they've made and, and even the best move that they didn't make, which is moving on from Cody Bellinger. Agreed. At yep. that at that moment as well, and he's continued to play at a high level. Uh, Keith, I'm a Sox fan, but obviously, you know, working at the score, you know, doing just did mm-hmm. pre and post for the Cubs all weekend long. I have I have respect for this team, and I I love the way they play. They've been in, they were interesting last year at the end of the season, and they've been equally as interesting this year. But it seems as though that something happened in the middle of the season for them, where they came out hot, and then they kind of had this who are we sort of phase when you look at major league baseball as a whole, but you know, you peek over to the side and see the Cubs. Is there anything that maybe stood out to you that, that got them firing on all cylinders or, or playing like a team that is capable of getting to the playoffs? I think it's, this is one of the, the beauties of baseball having such a long regular season is that although we all tend to look for narratives and storylines in chunks of the year, we play 162 games, and even the best teams are going to struggle at some point. Atlanta's hit kind of a rough patch. They're still running away with the National League East, but they haven't played as well, certainly, over the last couple of weeks as they did to start the season. That happens to every team. And the worst team, Oakland had a little stretch. I mean, they're pretty clearly the worst team, um, and they lost in absolutely humiliating fashion last night. But they had a stretch for a couple of weeks where they were playing, I think, close to 500 ball nowhere near as bad as they had been coming into the season. And so I think it's the case with the Cubs where they had a, a really good stretch to start and a stretch where they sort of fell back and then they got hot again. And over the course of this season now, 110 or so games, there are a few games over 500. And that's probably just what they are as a team. And certainly when they're completely healthy, which they're pretty close to that, I think, right now, maybe they're a little better than that. Maybe this is a club that if we're, they had just had exceptional health all season – they might have won 90 games. And instead, they might win, say, 86, 87 games, mm. and that could be good enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that I think most Cubs fans just perked up when he said that number, Keith, because they, yeah. they absolutely <laughs> love something like that. We're talking to Keith Law, a senior writer at The Athletic here on 670 The Score. I am Gabe Ramirez. Um, I would love to be able to discuss the Chicago White Sox a little bit, and more so not necessarily the drama that has been surrounding them, more, <laughs> more, more so about – you know, what What does a path forward for that team look like? Because I really, Keith, so I, I was subbing on the morning show all last week, and I, I had to ask myself a question for the first time in my adult life. It's like, why am I a White Sox fan? Like, <laughs> what, why am I in this space? Like, why wow, they've been, why? They've been hurting me so much. But then I right. then I came back to, you know what, if you're my friend, like Keith, you're my friend, You no matter where we're at, we could be in a bar, we could be anything, even if you're doing something dumb, if I have to go to war with you, then that's just what it is. That's just what the, how I roll. I'm that loyal. And so I had to fall back, and then I had to say to myself, okay, let me look at the team again. I heard Rick Hahn say this isn't a rebuild. This is a retool situation. They only got rid of one position player. They still have the core of what is the White Sox of a few years ago there. Can this work as a retool for the Chicago White Sox, especially for a team that we know isn't going to just bring in ammunition in the forms of big contracts? 
Uh, by the way, I feel like you just started to rewrite the lyrics to Once in a Lifetime. You, you may ask yourself, where is that large automobile? You may ask yourself, why am I a White Sox fan? Uh, why am it's, I here? It's, it's the deep questions. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, this can't be a retool. They're not good enough. The Major League Club is not good enough for this to be a retool. And I, I respect Rick. I've known him a really long time. I think he's very bright. Um, and I, honestly, I think a lot of his time as GM, too, he's had to deal with some competing voices around him, maybe have prevented him from doing all the things he would maybe like to do. But the bottom line here is this major league, the major league roster is currently constituted, is not going anywhere. Um, they did a lot of good things at the deadline. They, made, they did the best they could with basically with the players who were heading for free agency, mm-hmm. right, the rental players. They decided not to trade, say, Dylan Cease. And they didn't have to because he's got time left. They have to trade him this winter. Like, you're not winning with him. There's mm-hmm. no, this team is. It would require some small miracle, probably a whole series of them, for this team to be a real contender next year. Say you're a 90-win club. And in that division, 90 wins might do it. But they're not there. And I don't see how they get there. And to me, that is a clear sign that you need to just trade away all of the players who might have value, who are not going to be around when you get good. You've got a couple of guys in the farm system who are coming up who got a chance to be difference makers, led by Colson Montgomery. You build around that group, or you build with the timing, that timing in mind. When he's getting to the big leagues, who else is around him? I mean, like I said, I think they did a good job with what they had at the trade deadline. They could have gone further. I will reserve judgment until we get through this winter's hot stove season and see if they've done more because I do think if they put Dylan C's out there, they could do pretty well. They could get a couple of good prospects or young big leaguers to try to speed up the rebuild. And they could just look to the north side too. A couple of years ago, the Cubs traded, oh, they traded basically everybody, anybody who wasn't nailed down, right? You're out <laughs> for a exactly lot of young talent. Some of those guys have, Pete Crow Armstrong looks like a, he might be a star. Kevin Alcantara, high risk, but high reward. He's made huge strides this year. Oh, and Casey came in. They've made a lot of, they made a lot of difficult decisions and it's paying off. And I think the White Sox are maybe hesitating. I don't know who, but somebody's hesitating to make the tough call. I'm glad we're on the same page in regards to the talent that's on the roster and mm-hmm. what needs to go, Keith specifically with Dylan Cease, and it's no shade at Dylan Cease. I love Dylan Cease. He's really good. He's really good. But when you're talking about the window and when it is going to be open and does that align with what Dylan Cease can give you, it doesn't. So why are we not getting the most? And so at the trade deadline, that was one thing that I argued for was, hey, I love Dylan Cease, but if we are going to start this thing all over again, let's get rid of Dylan Cease and bring in some talent that can align with, you know, the new quote-unquote window that is to be opening up in the short term. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens because obviously any team, especially those that are you know in this playoff hunt and want to be for the years to come, uh, would love a guy like Dylan Cease. Let's let, let's do that. Let's take a let's take a step back. I am curious uh, to hear who you think is on the outside of their respective divisional race or the wild card race that you think you know. Obviously, you've done more than or, you know. You know more than we do over here. What like that 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 tail end of the season can look like for some of these teams that can get hot and get into the playoffs. Like who is a team or two that you're always checking that box score to see if they're getting closer to that playoff position? I mean, the first team that always comes to mind is the Padres. They're not making the progress. I have to say it's it's been really disappointing. It looked like in around July they were finally 
as healthy as they were going to get at least and starting to creep back towards 500, towards second place in that division. I still do reflexively check their box score. That team is just, they're better than their record. They're better on paper. And I think there's going to be a lot of soul searching and, and questions going on if they miss the playoffs, which it looks like they're going to, but that is still the team that I'm most likely to check the box score and see what's, what's going on. The Blue Jays is the other one. Cause they're just, they are, it's funny, Joe Sheehan, who's a good friend of mine, does a, an email uh, subscription newsletter. He said the Blue Jays are playing exactly as you should have expected them to, and their fans are disappointed. And I think that kind of sums it up. Like, they're a really good team. They're 12 games over 500. They have the misfortune of being in the best division in baseball. So they're way behind the Orioles and, like, reasonably behind the Rays, who are also both great teams. So it doesn't mean you're not a great team. And that's so, you know, I don't even check the Orioles box scores as much anymore because they're running away with it. Call me if they start to fall back to the pack, and then I'll be a little more interested. I might check the Orioles box scores because I want to see how Adley Rutschman is doing, how Colton <laughs> Kowser is doing. Yeah. Individual players yeah. that I track because I track these guys are prospects. They're kind of close to my heart. I want to see how they're doing in the big leagues. With the Blue Jays, it's more overall. What's the score? How did they, what happened? How did Gossman pitch? How did Manoa pitch? What does this tell us? about what they might do the rest of the season. Because I do think, especially if Manoa gets it, gets himself totally straightened out, they're probably going to get into the playoffs, and they'll be as tough as any team, I think, once you get into October. They would have as good of a chance, certainly, as any of the wild card teams would. Yeah, Toronto's most certainly that team where they've been good for the last couple of years, and people keep mm-hmm. anticipating this next step that they take where they'll become dominant. I agree. But, you know, you look at their pitching, and they're, they're, they're doing the right thing. I mean, bringing in Barrios – you know, Hyun Jin just had a great start uh, for his third one of the season against the Cubs the other day. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're trying their best to put together. the. But like you mentioned, even though they are who they are, the fan base is still disappointed in right. them, which got to suck for, for Toronto. Um, <laughs> but but I, I agree with you. San Diego, obviously, you know, it, it hurts to see teams like that and the Mets that put the top dollars up because you want those good teams to play at a high level so that they can you know, play in important games at the end of the season, but that doesn't work all the time. And that's what we know in baseball is, is true every single year is that that, that thing won't pan out. Um, but, but I am excited to see, to see what ends up happening. All right. Last one. Who, who do you think ends up taking the NL central with the, with the race, the way that it is right now? I mean, the obvious answer, the easy answer, I think is the Brewers. They were, I think they were my preseason pick. They're probably the best team on paper. It's the least interesting thing I could say. Also, but and but they're also and they're three games up, right? If 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 I argue for anybody else, I am essentially saying I think someone is going to outplay the Brewers by at least three games the rest of the season. I think the Cubs have a chance. I think the Reds have a chance. I, I wish the Reds had actually done something at the deadline. Same. I think they kind of missed missed an opportunity. They have prospects to trade. They have major leaguers to trade. They don't have enough at bats for everybody once they're all healthy. So, and I wish they had gone for it a little bit. That's probably if you if let me rephrase your question. Who's the most likely to catch the Brewers? I would have said the Reds a month ago. Now I'm going to say the Cubs. I think the Cubs are better on paper. And I'm probably being a little emotional and saying, hey, the, the Cubs leaned in and the Reds chose to stand pat. So, of course, I'm going to favor the Cubs. Hey, it's, a, it's a newfound energy in the team without a doubt. And I think the Reds are still trying to find it again so that they can propel themselves to a strong finish. Keith? enjoyed talking to you about some baseball today. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for hanging out. My pleasure. Keith Law, senior writer, senior baseball writer for The Athletic. 
Great follow on Twitter as well, at Keith Law. Just some great stuff, and I, I love how you positioned the question at the end. Who's more likely to, to catch the, the Milwaukee Brewers? You know, even as a Sox fan, I felt bad for the Cubs after that series against the Brewers. The way it panned out, just the Sox themselves felt like they were playing, you know, some just decent baseball. And then to lose three straight, like, uh Bad enough you're having a bad season. You couldn't just pull one? One? I was surprised. I thought the Sox would take one, maybe win the series. I'm really surprised they got swept. And they looked just so good. But again, you know, Dylan Cease, I was talking to Joe Crowley, who does the Fly to the W podcast with Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the morning show here. And we were talking about the upcoming series and, you know, just about Dylan Cease. And I was like, yo, Dylan Cease is, like, let's not forget the Dylan Cease of 2023 is the Dylan Cease of every year before last year. It is a Dylan Cease where you are not sure who you are going to get. You could get a, you could get a guy that has Cy Young stuff, but you also can get a guy that's only going to go four and a third and give up four runs and maybe not be able to find the strike zone. Last year, he was able to figure it out and put it together at, at a high level. And it's just unfortunate that it that, that couldn't be the case, you know, this year. But, of course, he's dealing with a bunch of stuff. Friends leaving, team sucks, you know, all the drama surrounding the team. I wouldn't want to be pitching. How can you expect someone to pitch at a high level in the midst of all that? Or playing at a high level if you're a, few, if you're a, 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 a position player. Don't get me started on the White Sox. Don't I don't want to go there today. Got a long week of shows. Today, tomorrow we get the day off. Cubs Sox begin their two-game series. That being played at Wrigley Field. You can hear all of that right here on 670 The Score. Home of the Cubs and the Xfinity Cubs Radio Network. And then Wednesday will be the second game. So I'll be back on Wednesday, 6 o'clock with Grody. We'll do a little shorty before pregame then thursday friday six to nine we're in the we're in the trenches thursday and friday and friday we're going bears heavy to talk about that colts game and then saturday i'm doing post game you rolling with me on saturday is it you oh for cubs no 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 for bears post game i am not i'm doing cubs on saturday okay maybe i'm with leo stodaher i think that yeah leo's doing bears yeah so i'm doing bears and i'm gonna be hyped to talk bears and get all the phone calls after that game even though it's on the road. But what I'm not going to do is talk about the White Sox. Not today. Even though I should. You know what? You know, I'm pulling up Keith Law's you know articles on The Athletic. First thing that pops up, it's Jake, a picture of Jake Berger and the trades. It says, under the radar, MLB trades worth noticing. From the Marlins, the Padres, and the Phillies. Sox made 117 trades at the deadline. They're nowhere to be found. Marlins get Jake Berger. They're at the top. I saw it was yesterday that the Yankees blew a lead against them, and lo and behold, they walked it off. Who who was the walk-off? Jake Berger. And, and the first thought that went yes. in my head was, oh, no, it's just PTSD for Sox fans. It's they the do most, not like seeing it. It's the most fun he's, he's had, man. It's the most, it's the most fun he's had. They have Abisail Garcia out there in Miami, former White Sox player. There's a lot of Chicago love down there. Jorge Soler is down there. See what Jake Berger's done his last four games. So he had three against the Yankees, like you mentioned. Oh my God. 
First game against the Yankee, Yankees, two for four. Second game, two for three. Third game, three for five. Where is he playing? Was he DHing or was he in the field? I'll tell you right now. First game against New York, oh, Jakey Bergs was playing third base. Second game against the Jenks, the New York Yankees, he was playing third base. I mean, they 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 traded for an everyday third baseman, but we have Yoan Moncada there. The Sox have Yoan Moncada there, and they refuse to move him. Third game against the Jenks, third base, and then yesterday, or excuse me, today against the Astros, he's already one for three in the middle of the game, and Jake Berger. Take a guess where he's playing. Third base. Third base, Papa. Wow. They, have, they have Luis Arias, Arias playing second base. Jake Berger playing third. They got Birdie, but they, you know, usually they have. Uh, why am I? What's his name skipping my? Jazz. Oh, Chisholm. Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm. Thank you. Playing short. That's what they needed. That's what every team needs—a power third baseman. It's like they—they they just. Dude, don't get me started. I don't want to be too upset and emotionally invested into this moment right here. So we are going to take a break. Uh, We are going to talk about some Cubs on the other side. I do want to take a look at their upcoming schedule, see, you know, what is is it going to look like? And then don't forget, a big piece of the Chicago Cubs is going to be making a return on Wednesday. I'll tell you who that is after this. It's Gabe Ramirez. 670 to score. The pitch. Morell swings, lines one, fair ball down the left field line. It'll one hop off the wall. Bellinger's going to score. Cubs take the lead. Morell races to second, slides in safely. RBI double, Christopher Morell. It's 5-4 to four Cubs over the Blue Jays here in the ninth. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Going to be talking to Andrew Brandt about some NFL at the top of the hour. And then we get some Lawrence Holmes at 820 to wrap us up here. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 the score. Of course, that was Christopher Morrell with that big hit there on Saturday. Cubs taking two out of three against the Blue Jays. I think most people were surprised that that happened, but that's baseball. Where you drop two out of three to the Mets, and then you actually take two out of three against a really good team that they themselves are still vying for a playoff position. As you heard Keith Law talking about it a second ago, he thinks highly of them. But I wanted to take a look at the Cubs and, you know, the next set of games that they have because, man, I got to be honest, the the reason why I felt so negatively about the Cubs and their chances of making the playoffs, you know, they, they had that big stretch against, it was like the the Cardinals, the White Sox, and then the Cardinals. And then I was telling everybody, I was like, hey, man, but the beginning of August, like, don't don't, don't buy into this. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. They face Cincinnati, Atlanta, the Mets in Toronto. Don't buy into it. But the Cubs have, oh, my God. Three out of four against Cincinnati. Two out of three against Atlanta. Two out of three against Toronto. And, of course, they dropped the series to the Mets. But if 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 the Cubs sweep... I mean, if the Cubs sweep the White Sox in this two-game set, 10-3, and 10-4 is pretty damn good to start off August, especially when the back end of it is money time. After the White Sox, the Cubs stay at Wrigley for a three-game set against the Royals. 
Worst team in the worst division in baseball. Should be able to handle business there. Then after that, guess what? Lucky you, you get to face the Detroit Tigers. Another bad team in the worst division in baseball. So you have three straight series against the worst division in baseball. Then you come back to your own division, play Pittsburgh for four at Pittsburgh, which, you know, you just know those games are going to be tough. And then the end of August is money time at home against the Milwaukee Brewers for a three-game set. It doesn't get sexier than that. Three against Milwaukee, and then right after that to start September, as if you needed any more smoke, you got to go three against the Cincinnati Reds. Like, that's it. Last three games of the season against Milwaukee. Trust me, I've been there a million times. The last thing you want is to be at the last weekend of the season saying, if we sweep, we're, you know, something stupid like that. Oh my, if we just take all three of these, you do not want to be in that. You want to put Milwaukee in that situation. I think, too, the series before Milwaukee, they have to go to Atlanta. So yeah. they're going to end on a note where it's like, come on, let's let's get this confidence. Let's get our playing. Yeah, let's go like, to, our, we, we might yeah. see Atlanta in the playoffs. Yes. Kind of situation. Yes. That one's in Atlanta for that three-game set. You're on The Cubs are on the road for the last six games of the season. You The Cubs need May Marcus Stroman. That's a huge question mark lingering over the squad right now. What is Marcus Stroman going to do when he returns? Which Marcus Stroman are you going to get? I can't imagine a Marcus Stroman that wouldn't put his best foot forward just to, like, throw shade on the Cubs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to come out here. I'm just going to pitch whatever. They don't want to give me the money. They don't deserve to make the playoffs on my back. You know, something like that. He doesn't seem like that type. He wants to come out and he wants more exposure. He understands the game. He knows that if he's pitching game one of the playoffs, oh, my goodness. First of all, that just sounds crazy. But if he is, that's like an extra $4 million there just for a year if he's starting game one of the uh, of the set, which would be a great one. Yeah, let's hear a little bit of of Ross from the post game on Sunday. Tyler, play me the cut where he's just talking about the team, not necessarily about you know that one in particular. Because I, I, I'd like to hear his thoughts even after a loss. Good trip, good trip. Obviously, we'd like to have had one more uh, in New York. We almost came up there with winning the series, but you know, I five hundred. I felt like we played good baseball here at the back end. Um, and Pete Alonso kicked our butt. So, like, yeah, it was just, you know, just uh, it'd be nice to get back home. We played well at home, and um, it's it's nice to go back to Chicago. I think that's the that's the that's the mindset you got to have. Nobody wants to play 500 baseball, but like I just said, it was a gauntlet of a of a first half of of August. And thank God for Cody Bellinger. Thank God for Nico Horner, for the Cubs to be in that predicament to. You know, be putting up runs. It's it's. Listen, I'll tell you what the Cubs are doing well. They are finalizing their roster at the right time. And where you've seen, listen, there's been effort. Matt Mervis, 
like Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, Jared Young, Jared Young. There's been effort made to make it work. Miles Masterboni. Miles Masterboni, who's killing in, in AAA right now. You know who's killing in AAA? Matt Mervis. All those guys. David Bodie. People you forgot about. Like, they are going to work in AAA right now. But they can't even see the night of day. Because they're actually good baseball players in front of them. Christopher Morel, you're not bringing them down. You're not bringing all those guys down. The team is set. Miguel Amaya, too, when he's in. I, I, I really like his grittiness and toughness. He is the... He is the... Like... Imagine Albert Alzali pitching to Miguel Amaya. Like, too much electricity between the two of them. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that adds an extra mile and a half. To the, so they have things figured out. They know who their closer is. They know who's not in their rotation. Drew Smiley. They know who their leadoff guy is. It's Mike Talkman. They understand that a that they can be patient with Ian Happ in the three hole. They don't have to be, but they can be because you can easily just take Ian Happ and slide him down and have it be Talkman, Horner, Bellinger, Swanson, and then throw a Happ or Suzuki or Candelario. Like even Candelario go there as good as he's been playing. So again, they, they, they know who they are right now at the right time, mid August, you have your lineup. This is what it is. We will not deviate from this. And now, Chicago White Sox, here is our best. Now we're figuring it out. But here is our best. Because come come Tuesday, to be very clear, when it's Tuki Toussaint, <laughs> which I had to ask be, be asked about as well, going up against the professor, like... Tuki Toussaint can strike out 12 guys in the game, but he can also walk eight. So if the Cubs hitters are patient, allow Tuki to, you know, throw a lot of pitches and attack him when he does get into the to the strike zone, like that's a very winnable game. Cubs at minus 175 right now. So it's going to be a good two-game set. Of course, game two is going to be Clevenger versus Stroman. And Clevenger, too, he's someone that can mow you down if you're not ready. But, again, I think the Cubs are in a position right now where they, they, they have their best team out there, and every team is going to get that for the rest of the season. It's just they have to be up for the challenge if they want to sneak into the playoffs, which I hope they do because the city's a better place uh, when any sports team is in the playoffs. Will the Chicago Bears be in the playoffs? Will they be in the playoff hunt? Fortunately, we get to talk to our next guest about that. Um, Andrew Brandt is going to be joining the show, talking some NFL football. What did he think, or what does he think, about the potential step that Justin Fields can be taking? Will it lead to a playoff berth? We talked to Andrew Brandt after this. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.